Chapter Fourteen of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Fourteen. Il vaut mieux se taire que de dire hors du ton des choses d'attendre. Stendhal. Change would be a good thing, Tony said. What do you think, G? I thought so nearly three years ago, G returned vigorously, and was told that Doro refused to entertain the idea. Naturally she would do so, it being for her good, and she young enough to know worse, as again, I pointed out at the time. Well, it's got to be now, Tony announced gloomily. Places like a morgue, Pembroke gone, Rex away, the child and I alone. When she's not hunting, she's practicing, and when she's doing neither, she's silent. He himself sat in silence for a moment. Then he burst out, Damn Pasquale! Yes, but less loudly. A quiet damn is equally efficacious. Tony slewed round his face and stared at her intently. Gee, do you think she cares still? G gave a little sigh, her restless fingers, slender and straight still, loaded with rings, went on tapping the top of her ebony stick. Youth is so unjudgeable, she said at length. You ask me if Doro still cares for Pan? My dear, I think yes, but not, of course, as she did. That, at her age, would be impossible. Not even eighteen to twenty can live at fever heat, but— just because of those eighteen to twenty years, she does still. But he's not Pan now. He's an altar, I suspect, where no flowers bloom. A memory with a flame behind it, shining through and obscuring the real vision from the devotee. Youth never remembers, but it also never forgets. There is a difference, you know. Youth manages so ably to discard any memory it does not care for, whilst clinging with devilish obstinacy to the main fact. Youth concentrates so mistakenly, and believes in never and ever, as if they were truth, and not a sentimental paradox. So give her change, my dear, let her rip. She's lovely, lovable, and alive. She'll do it all right. We have been fools to trust to the help of time. Time seldom does much for any real lovers save make em pleased with themselves for being faithful get doro out of the rut let her meet a few men whose names are neither colfax nor oakhampton nor any other name of the good and worthy roundabout and we shall see things move doro move at any rate i hope music and hunting are all very well when you're married as a respite but as life objects no hermione'll have her Tony stated morosely, alluding to his own sister in much the voice in which one discusses a calamity. "'Then that's that,' G commented. In the silence that followed, Doro's voice could be heard from the music-room. She was singing a song by Han. Tony groaned a little. "'Always that modern, no-words-on-a-tune sort of stuff,' he said irascibly. "'Why on earth Doro can't sing a decent ballad?' A song you can follow, God knows. Ah, but it's beautiful, G said softly. Listen. 
tony listened wearing that expression common to the uninitiated who have bought a good thing for vast sums grudge the outlay but enjoy hearing it praised receiving thereby a faint sense of return for their expenditure doro sang on and if she had sung music-hall doggerel her voice would have made it beautiful when she stopped singing it was as if a sense of loss were instinct she came down the wide stairs a little later hello you two she said even her speaking voice had changed it had become much softer and had certain charming very personal intonations odd words she said somehow quite differently from any one else she stood gazing out of the window at the spring morning and into g s mind there came the thought ah me how lovely loveliness is doro had it unquestionably and quite unmistakably she had it in her colouring which was deep rose in the glowing light of her hair which was no distinct tint but yet gave an impression of quick warmth from its thick depths and dominating all else she had loveliness in her eyes jasmine eyes as rex had called them not inaptly once when looking at them he had seen the reflection of white light in either like a star or jasmine flower amongst its leaves green eyes are often talked about and extremely seldom seen or they are called green and discovered to be hazel but doro's eyes were green in the clear light as water pools and in the shadow as jasmine foliage but she no longer laughed with them though she laughed often g had noticed that and deplored it and doro's too evident slightness as well we must get her away she had told herself suppressed temperament is the deuce and all at twenty-one she said now still surveying doro urbanely my dear you are going to do a season with hermione lasalle doro turned round do i want to do a season with hermione lasalle she inquired enormously as you have to anyway g suggested you start to-morrow i am disposed of then doro murmured her eyes on tony your aunt thinks it's best he said hastily a little to both their surprise doro said languidly oh very well perhaps it will be fun and sauntered to the door g said at length the spring my dear tony its usual influence either abandon or sweet depression berkeley square will be a good tonic for that take my word for it i hope so tony said disconsolately he had expected some slight passage at arms which should have given him an opportunity to exert his authority or at least suggest that he had the power to do so and behold quiescence had robbed him of the chance of exploiting what he knew he had not and had therefore longed to pretend he had some of life's hardest moments are those when we realize that other people have long and carelessly known the weakness we believed only we ourselves suspected he walked out when g had left and cursed pan in the gardens there was deep in his heart a strange but not bitter jealousy of pan pan had taken doro from him as surely as if he had carried her bodily away for doro had never been the doro of tony's life after that one brief winter she and he had discussed nothing sometimes hearing from pan 
whose extravagances had been tediously recurrent through the years that he was at bucharest or biarritz or berlin or any other place where gaiety and women were he had mentioned this fact openly but no one had ever offered any comment pan had had a great victory had he known it by making doro love him he had left tony's life empty doro had never come back tony thought of it like that not in three years even it was as if over the happy gaiety and frankness a film of frost rested you never felt quite at ease tony sighed as he walked perhaps london would do the trick make her forget lord what was there to remember so faithfully about pan who had loved a dozen women since doro and only left her because of money yet it had never occurred to tony to tell doro the truth pan was his brother they had had the same father no one couldn't do that they left for town on the following day accompanied by emilia nick and the car doro was to have every possible thing which made life attractive of course tony and g had taken her to town every year to do the shows they had all stayed at the stafford and had not bothered to open up greville house but those visits had been brief and as it were undressed this stay was to dedicate the french frocks and every possible adornment doro could desire hermione ione as she ordered herself to be called was not of course at home when they arrived damn bad manners both g and tony thought doro did not mind she had met ione several times and she neither liked nor disliked her tea was served doro and g presiding to a host of people they knew by name only though g knew their families families in some cases tony knew no one and handed food at six ione arrived she had the odd gift which some people find a charm in itself of appearing at once bored and vital her health was amazing though she adopted an air of becoming fatigue and clad usually in filmy beautiful frocks gave a clever impression of frailty her manners were adorable if often rather exhausted and her appearance all she desired it to be charles lascelles adored her and had been trained by her to do so in perpetuity he was not clever but she had made him interesting and she paraded her affection for him whenever she remembered to do so her vivacity was inextinguishable and she maintained a champagne standard and was duly valued as a guest and enjoyed as a hostess now as she entered some glow seemed to enter the room too she said at once darlings in her attractive voice and kissed everyone laughed at everyone declared she was dying for tea had none and lit a cigarette made plans for the evening and summed up doro in her own mind spoilt generous self-willed passionate a handful or will be what fun thank god she's beautiful they dined at eight thirty and had ten guests to dinner and left for a play about ten it ended at quarter to eleven when everyone went on to someone's house and drank champagne and danced at two tony took doro back to berkeley square left her there and repaired to the stafford and wished he had been with g 
who had returned after dinner and thanked his maker he was going back to hurst point on the morrow doro woke about nine and listened to emilia's description of her evening described her own and julie went as requested after her bath to ione's room ione was up in a peignoir her hair still hanging down and tied back with a ribbon she was forty-three and looked thirty and dazabile she did not dye her hair which was very pretty and naturally wavy but had it washed by her french hairdresser in some herbal wash which answered just the same purpose as a dye but was not such a bother quite honestly she had no real interest in any one save herself and through herself her husband and son but she had a sense of family feeling and her house was so large it meant very little to her chaperoning doro and of course tony was a very liberal donor charles who was really nothing was ostensibly a shipping magnate in london and quite truly a good landlord in the country nicholas the boy was with rex at magdalen and was innocuous gay good-looking and had charming manners the only disappointment of ione's life had been that he had not inherited her brains however he had her looks and his father's and that was something and also he thought her the most wonderful woman in the world and that was another not that ione would have owned menfolk who did not she insisted on nothing visibly and obtained everything by dint of concealing her force of character whilst she exercised it women loved her because she talked with them and not about them she knew few people who were not fond of her and attributed this firstly to her charm secondly to her house thirdly to her lack of snobbishness which was a real fact there are only two sets of people in the world who are not snobs one is the set which does not care to visit the homes of the great or call them by their christian names in public because it can and the other is composed of those irresponsible idealists who do not count anyway one grasped by inference to which set ione belonged her hospitality was indiscriminate she did not care what guests she asked to her house for big affairs because she rarely realized they were there as a result the semi-demi smart woman of the world the woman of a certain social status and breeding who possessed however a wider outlook than was customary in some matters women that is to say who managed to keep their lovers and their prestige at the same time went there mothers as devoted to their children as ione artistic people and steady friends of charles and ione's habitues and an alla podrida of moneyed london ione was restlessly modern and meant as she said to have a good time g would have been nearly stunned into a decline had she realized ione's code of life mercifully she believed it to be that of all rexfords and had therefore felt quite at ease in committing doro to her charge tony knew nothing anyway and would have realized very little if he had stayed a month at berkeley square ione surveyed doro much as she looked over a horse at tattersall's then she announced where doro should go for clothes where they were going during the day for amusement and told her she was beautiful and asked her if she wished to marry doro said no composedly oh why ione asked it's really the best way of living 
most people make such a muddle of it because they feel convinced it must have a basis of mutual adoration as if that ever lasted or could every woman ought to study science a little sufficiently anyway to grasp the why and wherefore of duration of what all of us at one time or another call love look at me she flashed a smile in doro's direction i married charles twenty-two years ago and there is not one moment of my married life i regret and yet i was never in love with him i had a sense of values that was all i liked his looks i knew him well i realized he had certain qualities that made for peace and contentment and he adored me i was very fond of him i have never liked any man as well and so i married him i foresaw we could make a decent thing of life we had the same tastes at least i knew we should have charles was malleable you see and we loved children and having a good time and he as i say loved me voila do you believe in romance ione doro asked i mean the sort one reads about deathless passion two people who matter to one another intensely ione shot a very shrewd glance in doro's direction tony and g had told her nothing she felt a little aggrieved realizing there was something to tell she said walking about the beautiful room putting carnations straight in their vases tidying her letters directing her maid at intervals you mean the paolo francesca romeo and juliet love yes for a woman but for extremely rare women women who would use their mentality in love never a grand amoureuse and unfortunately most clever women who have great temperament exploit it in that way to love you have to have so much free time my dear freedom of thought too and that's so difficult to obtain and qualities which are rather far-fetched for most of us the spirit of sacrifice limitless generosity humility oh i don't know all the dull virtues which are only not dull when they are guided by brilliant mentality for the ordinary everyday man and woman romance is an impossibility sorry to be depressing but that is the truth it's better my dear to go in for a good time as we are going to do get dressed now will you the car will be round at eleven she was peacefully bored with doro by the afternoon and might have stayed in that condition of perfect amiability if doro had not arranged with cavini for a singing lesson the following day ione stood on the stairs spellbound true to type or perhaps one should say to the standard she imposed in order to keep her position as diesse with her friends she knew the arts intelligently at any rate she recognized the wonder of doro's voice and quite quickly after realization the attraction this discovery would be for her next parties she went into the drawing-room when the song was finished and found the great cavini nearly weeping with joy what a voice he said to her mopping his face what a voice he enthused wildly speaking with neapolitan frankness of doro's appearance her anatomy and temperament scientifically and physiologically ione smiled at doro how interesting she gave a big party the following week and doro sang at it in a callow frock 
with a temperament unavidance in her voice she had a furor of a success and through it became in a moment a definite personality rex down on a visit with nicholas lasselle found a new being he told her so leaning his long length against the window and gazing at her dispassionately what do you mean to do about it he asked doro laughed oh live have a good time as ione is always saying he nodded grow like ione one might do worse my dear granted as they say in yorkshire or county somerset or beckenham but do you enormously admire even the very best paste i know it's a most finished thing far more valued by connoisseurs than solitaires for instance but after all it's not the real thing doro laughed again rex was so delightfully funny and abstruse poor ione how crushing oh she'd laugh rex assured her she'd never accept any statement that wasn't flattering as true doro liked having rex and nicholas both were good-looking and both smart with that clean niceness which is so pleasing both needless to say interested in their clothes to a degree of absorption nicholas proposed quite happily to do nothing rex intended to stand he announced somewhere somehow some day his limp had nearly disappeared he had trained exercised undergone an operation in order to become fit and he had outgrown much of his earlier delicacy nicholas and he doro and ione raced through life it was lived to pitched laughter quick wit quicker dancing rather heavy drinking every one drank and was amused by it and if you drank too much were more amused rex writing to g was discreet for her sake he took a weekend off his brief vacation to go down and stay with her though he longed to remain in london he told her of doro's success he dilated on her beauty ione's kindness and bodlerized his description of the crowd with which doro and she ran he went up for a last huge party before term began the following day it was early may and the train sped through cuttings tipped with shining greenness out into fields golden starred with dandelions london seemed utterly delightful in the gay pink and gold sunset the streets were thronged the shops glowing lengths of colour ione's house had new flowers in the window-boxes marguerites and lobelias and the awning was ready for the ball and the red carpet he had that splendid sense of bien -être which being fit and young and happy alone conveys he took the austere steps two at a time and hailed nicholas with a shout as he saw him going upstairs they turned into nicholas special room for a cocktail where's doro rex asked almost at once putting the war-paint on or out or something nicholas answered i say shropshire did rex felt an odd contraction in his heart he heard himself say unemotionally, And Doro? Did not, young Nicholas said as solemnly. Rex burst out laughing. It's a chance of a lifetime gone foot, Nicholas observed almost reproachfully, staring at him. A title, places, hell of a lot of money, and a decent feller, take it all in all. Good deal of one sort of all, Rex suggested keenly. 
nicholas had a nature which in early youth admires a dog and believes fastness to be an asset he wagged his boyish head oh well we only live once he remarked and other people live lots of lives for us to atone for it oh well nicholas repeated vaguely he could never cope with rex when he became what he called top lofty what did your mater say rex asked suddenly oh nothing laughed shropshire went to her first in the good old-fashioned way he meant business i tell you where is doro anyway i've told you out or in or not or something nicholas suggested i don't know rex went in search of her but in vain they met at dinner finally which happened to be a party at the ritz and rex found himself opposite doro beside her lord shropshire was sitting visibly passing through that process vulgarly known as bearing up and not doing so with distinction doro met rex's eyes and smiled at him again that odd little contraction shook his heart at least his breath caught for a second he went on looking at doro and chose perversely to imagine her engaged to shropshire suddenly shropshire's hearty voice said to him i say greville whom do you want to murder rex knew he flushed darkly he felt the hot blood drum up under his skin right to his forehead he laughed as naturally as he could i bet there was someone shropshire pursued heavily your eyes had a glare in them old son i tell you rex asked himself what on earth's the matter with me he felt ashamed of his idiocy as he termed it and turned resolutely to his partner and made conversation he scarcely looked at doro again but when they were leaving the ritz she came up to him let's walk back together she whispered it's only a few steps and it's such a heavenly night she slid a hand through his arm and in that touch he knew for it seemed to race like a flame through his veins until it reached his heart the flame rested there almost with stupefaction he told himself i love her it seemed to him that he walked beside her in some dream that he must awake and say how extraordinary it seemed so real it was as if a spell held him in thrall he realized the scent of the london streets in summer time he heard the roar of the traffic a car gleamed out of the soft darkness doro was speaking and mechanically over and over again his own soul seemed to say i love her i love her now as she moved as her hand pressed less lightly that amazing thrill pierced its way to him again he had never as an actual fact as a thing that could that must happen to him thought of love his life had had no place for it no time even lately at oxford he had never been absorbed by the one topic which seemed to interest most of the men there had been doro and g in his life they had sufficed him he did not realize and would not for some long time how much g's influence had swayed him how very much she had counted and how wholly finely in his life to-night all the world seemed a new place miraculous yet disturbing greatly perplexing you're very silent doro said to him and we're nearly there 
i wanted to hear about home rex dashed into a jerky spirited description of his visit and all the while as he held her arm in closely he longed to cry out don't take your hand away i love it there and wondered with a sort of chill almost frightened wonder what doro would say if he did so he was uncertain what he felt save this heady stinging sensation of mystifying delight he was out of his depth utterly he glanced at doro's profile shyly bending his head to see it better it was as though he had never seen her until now he thought of his stay at pointers and his restless longing to be back in london he had wondered why a little himself it had been all the while as if some power had been drawing and drawing him back he remembered walking in g's garden very late and standing beside the tobacco plants and feeling the strangest sense of stirredness but he had not actually thought of doro then it had only been when he had imagined her in love with shropshire that he had truly realized he had known then that for her to love another man would be hideous simply that it could not be at that moment it did not seem to him that love could be unreturned because it had been born in his heart it must be born too in the heart of the woman who had inspired it life's most delicate and poignant irony the belief that love must create love was accepted by him as a lovely and immutable gospel partly perhaps because he had been ill so much and therefore had been debarred from leading the ordinary boy's happily dull career the strain of mysticism in his nature had become a strong influence he brought to love much that few youths of his years could bring and one quality which few people ever practice or can with regard to love the exercise of philosophy he had read so much dreamed so much been save for g's love his love for her in itself a strangely gentle strangely curious influence so alone that his outlook was bound to be either misanthropic or that of a visionary disciple of whatever creed aroused his loyalty his unspoiltness and straightness and until a short time before pathetic disability for sport had made it the latter he was clean all through by instinct and because of g's robust clarity if he was pedantic he was also gallant that wild desire to tell doro to urge what seemed to blaze in his brain and heart to speak of his love seized him again doro he said and thought his voice normal doro loosing his arm said did you speak rex the crushing snub which mere normality administers more effectively than irony or indifference because it is unconscious struck him to silence she was on the red carpeted steps he mounting behind her the moment had passed ione was already at the entrance of the ballroom looking a little bored and quite beautiful and wearing what nicholas disrespectfully described as the eternal fender some people had arrived and the band was playing rex with quick foresight claimed certain dances with doro later much later she was to sing recamez was to appear also and cavini was to play now we're off nicholas exclaimed listening to this description of fame and beauty ione danced with him she loved him as she loved nothing and no one else for her he was never this big person but her little son 
whose advent had been the greatest joy of her life he danced perfectly and so did she and she looked like his sister Move, you're a beauty and a peach he told her and you're a darling baby she answered laughing at him her brilliant eyes soft and shining with pleasure rex dancing with doro felt his dream thrall upon him and with it that startlingly keen perception dreams seemed to confer it was as if he really saw doro for the first time and he gloried in this flooding vision his thoughts ran goldenly every poem he had ever read of love of lovely women seemed to float through his brain he invested doro with the glamour of a first great romance and could look this night upon her rose carnation colouring her lovely petalled mouth with the worship of one before an altar he and she seemed both unreal in this white hour of revelation yet once as they danced and doro moved her head and her hair brushed his bent cheek a thrill so exultant so virile shook him that unconsciously his arm tightened round her his hand holding hers trembled oh did she not feel too she must she should he relinquished her with his heart drumming like a rebel against all serenity and his young blood like wine he could not dance with any one else yet he slipped out on to the balcony london glowed and shivered with intensity of life around him he felt a passionate oneness with it with all the glitter and stress the golden lights below the silver above and between the swimming blueness of a perfect night down in the street a man laughed a girl's voice answered his laugh the lilac trees waved their fragrant tassels and wafted the scent into the soft air a laburnum gleamed like palely golden fire all rex's youth flamed in him too like a mounting torch which would blaze into sudden dazzling splendour i live i live he told himself with a little excited boyish laugh suddenly he longed to be in g s garden beside the tobacco plant again its intoxicating and poignant perfume charming him like a caress to stand there with doro and kiss her and kiss her he realized that the dance music had ceased and went back everyone was moving slowly towards the music room doro was to sing or recommence at any rate he longed to hear he saw doro standing beside ione and cavini waving his hands absurdly and smiling fatuously everyone grew very still cavini ceased attitudinizing and seated himself at the piano and the first notes of leur exquise fell like flower-petals into the silence that sheer ecstasy which can only come from knowledge as well as appreciation filled rex each tone of doro's voice was like the music of his own spirit the song ended and there was that moment's supreme tribute of utter noiselessness before the applause broke out rex as it died away when it was seen that cavini was preparing to play again heard a voice behind him and recognized with that irritating uncertainty which nags at the mind that he could not place its owner and unwillingly turned his head his eyes met pasquale greville's dark golden ones ah rex the two nodded coldly rex turned away again but he had lost his hold on utter delight 
and though his music-loving soul paid its just tribute yet his mind was absorbed by greville's arrival and instantly as partner to his disturbed absorption came another thought what would doro feel he looked at her and by a most unhappy chance saw in her eyes her greeting to pan his soul sickened with an unknown fear and dread as he watched doro's face for it was exactly as though a light were lit behind those lovely eyes as if one gazed oneself on earth upon the entry of another into paradise her face was illumined transfigured for a second then convention reasserted its sway and she smiled formally at pan and he with a violent twist of his shoulders rex stared at him again ah he had seen too he had been of even colour when first they had recognised one another now after that instant's exchange of glances with doro his face was white rex studied him with the merciless scrutiny of youth for disliked age he looked older his thick hair had a powdering on the temples innumerable tiny lines showed round his mouth but he was still damnably good-looking and rex hated him for the fact as well as for forcing it on his recognition but he looked lived out and rex recognized it he pushed a courteous way to pan when did you get back he asked civilly this afternoon from paris from petersburg from peking rather interesting tour i suppose you made it because of the alliteration staying in town long haven't an idea where are you putting up i'm at the ritz you must dine one night thanks i go up to-morrow though i'm with nicholas lasselle at magdalen ah dim shades of my youth oh really they had no more to say they eyed one another with hidden hostility pan said perfunctorily and hurst point and so on quite all right i think i was there for two weekends my father and g were fit the use of that possessive pronoun irritated pan obscurely supercilious affected young cub he said in a slight drawl doro seems to have come on what and without waiting for rex's answer strolled through an opening he saw and walked towards the piano rex watched the actual meeting with miserable weakness aware he only did so because of his suspicion and despising himself and yet unable to leave the coin of vantage and again he saw doro's face illumined for a moment then bewilderingly it changed utterly and became ironically cold he turned away and went into the other room an anguish of half-understood bitterness welling up in him End of chapter 14 Recording by Maricel Quee